welcome everybody to the Low Key Podcast. I'm Tim Malloy. With me, as always, are Keith Denny and Aaron Lanton. Uh, we're talking this week about Nomadland, the Golden Globe winner from Golden Globe winner, Chloe Zhao, for those of you who love Golden Globes and are up on your Golden Globe stuff. Um, mm-hmm. This is a movie with Frances McDormand as a woman whose entire town in Nevada uh, goes broke. Her husband has died, and so she loads up all of her possessions, which aren't much, and puts them in a van and goes and lives in that van and moves across the American West where she meets a lot of people who are also nomads, professional nomads, um, who are just living from job to job and eking out the best life that they possibly can. Uh, Beautiful cinematography, really good acting, some of it with real people who are real life nomads. Um, but we all confess. Honestly, I think everyone that's not Francis McDormand is like, like this is their first role. Like this, they were living that life and then they were cast. Yeah. Her and David Strathairn, her uh, romantic interest. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we confessed to each other before this thing started that we all kind of aren't sure what to say about this movie. So here's the thing I've been trying to formulate. Um, when I first saw this, my reaction was, well, how is this? that different from Borat. Oh, say more. Well, just it's like, it's this exploration of people who are way at the fringes of society and you have this real A-lister mixing it up with them. And with Borat, I feel uncomfortable with it sometimes because Borat is making fun of these people who are, you know, Borat is, Sasha Baron Cohen is a multimillionaire and these people are largely not. and sometimes mm-hmm. it's just having a go at them in a way that can feel mean. Some mm-hmm. of them, especially the rich ones, definitely deserve it. Uh, and he does a great service, I think, in exposing how people really think. And I think he also gets some points for being a comedy. Um, this one is also making, telling a story kind of on the backs of real people who are on the fringes of society. I'm sure they were well compensated. Um, the movie is certainly respectful toward them. And unlike Borat, I'm sure it was consensual. I'm sure they knew exactly what they were getting into. So it's it's not exactly the same. I'm not saying it's even-handed and I'm not trying to like score points or something like shame on this movie. It's just a thing that kind of sits with me in a way I'm trying to sort out. Like it, it's, it's the main thing I, it, it's the main thing that keeps me from like, a few things keep me from loving Nomadland. I really respect Nomadland, but that's one of the mm-hmm. things that keeps me from really like, on embracing it as like my movie because i thought the writer chloe zhao's last movie is one of the best movies ever made Hmm. interesting you know it's funny you say that because that actually didn't really enter my head i mean i actually you know not long before we recorded started to do a little reading on the movie and and you know found out some of these details um i mean i think that is really fascinating i i I think as we talk through that, I think I have like some thoughts there in general with the film. I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I, I liked a lot of pieces of it. There's some things about it that are a little uh, like kind of go un untouched uh, or like just not really. There's not as much exploration in certain pieces, specifically as it pertains to American capitalism. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we should we could, we'll have time to dive deep into that, but. I mean, I think it's a really interesting movie and, you know, definitely gives people an opportunity to see America in a, in a totally different, like away from urban settings and, and more kind of, you know, what some people decide to do. I mean, they're, they are not, um, you know, uh, 
necessarily away from society or away from technology, uh, but they've chosen a life that they believe makes sense because mostly of the trappings of American society and it seems capitalism in particular. Honestly, and it's not to talk bad on it or nothing, but it was one of those situations where I, it made me question as I was watching it is like, was, did it win like best picture in the Golden Globes? Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, so what I was wondering is what is the criteria that decides that a movie is the best movie, right? I, um, it, it was like, um, I don't know how to say it. It's just, it's one of those films I'll probably never watch again, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe my criteria on what makes a best film might be different than other people, you know? Yeah. Because I think I think that there's this there should be like this element of like realism in the film and then also this element of like um where you feel like you're actually watching a movie, right? You know. Yeah. Meaning like it has like where it's actually entertaining in some type of way. Rather the the information that you're receiving is enlightening or you're having fun or like um what do you what do you call like Tim, what's the word you usually use when you say like a film is a good hang, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good one. Yeah, that's what yeah. Tarantino says. See, me, for this, it doesn't feel like any of that, really, in particular, right? I didn't, I didn't leave the film with any insight or anything that I didn't have coming into it, personally. Um, I know it's, 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 it's a, it's a beautiful film in the sense of like, just like the characters and just the, it's, it, it does have that feel kind of like when we were talking about Lover's Rock, mm-hmm. where it places you right there within the moment of where the characters are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, it's a certain thing, like, it's like I can, that I, that I do appreciate about it is that I can just feel certain stuff. Like with Fern, it's like, you can, you can smell <laughs> the van or something yeah. right or you mm-hmm. can you can feel the heat of the desert you know just by it's something about that that feeling and how raw and how intimate that element of it is yeah um but i don't i in my personal opinion i don't think it's like something that i would have said like boom this is the best picture out of well the well films that were not so it's interesting you you talk about this because like in the last month I don't know how this keeps happening but we keep like talking about these films that don't like have a typical like you know A to B to C to D plot or yeah or like we do you know introduction rise in action climax fall in action you know in conclusion like they're not really doing that this film is weird because I think what you're speaking to in particular is there's two things since the movie is not so if if you've gone through a certain emotional journey already or or learned about certain things like you know i think for people who have not seen folks go through this as a sort of sympathy they might feel that is coming to them for the first time but if you are aware that people occasionally live like this it might not feel like like so you're, you're not gonna be hanging on the film and calling it great because of that right so then the next thing has to be well do it's not even like a thing of like, is it a good hang? But like, do I feel like I relate to these characters in some way? Or like, you know, is there something about their humor or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is it like that's likable about the people? Or what is it about this particular mystery or drama or something that like, 
this character is going through. Because the, the other thing too is Fern in a way. I, and again, I don't think you have to have characters that are are dynamic or complex, like in in a, in a way where like they change. Like Fern is very flat. Yeah, I think that makes sense for what the film's about and the realism behind it. But I do think that that flatness and her lack of like because she's somebody who is grieving the entire film. She's numb. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, more than numb. I think her grief is constant and it and is strong. But I what ends up happening is because of that, she is always pushing others away. Um, yeah, we like her situationally. We like her because we feel for her and feel like, what if we were in her situation? And obviously living in a van is very hard for like a middle-aged woman. Losing your spouse is incredibly hard. And we like her for those reasons, but there's not... There's not the journey that she's going on is so kind of just surviving. It's hard to, from a narrative standpoint, it's hard to like root for her big goal. Like, you know, the bad movie version is well, like, but, but what, it, I, but you, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not like, please continue to stop. I just want to say this because I think this will help color like what you're saying. What is the goal? Like, what is her, like, normally, you know, like, whatever your, your protagonist is, you know, kind of like, what their aim is, what they want to do, what they mean to achieve by the actions they're taking. Yeah. And that's not really clear to us to some degree until the end. And even then it's not totally clear. Yeah. 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 So, you know, most of the time, like, you know, like in, in the, the most bland versions of fiction, like, you know, sometimes a hero will come out and be like, I want to be the strongest such and such ever. Or I want to be the best, you know, at this particular thing, or I want to, become president whatever it is right like you know boom my goal here's my inspiration you know breaking bad boom all right i need to make this money because it got mm-hmm. cancer and if i don't do this we start losing the house so on and so forth yeah um you at least like know why a character's doing a thing um and we know why she is in this case you know in that uh you know she has no she as she put it is not homeless she's houseless yeah and so she- she's doing these things through out of necessity she's taking these odd jobs that are constantly temporary um and all you know for these different reasons what's that, kind of also go ahead i mean but the, i'm sorry to interrupt you but the, the problem with that is that she doesn't have to i kind of feel that way too yeah and that that's like, why i'm a little thrown off to some degree that, yeah like she had yeah yeah she has a sister she that that offers her to stay she she when she met her boo thing, he offered her a place to stay, you know. So it's kind of like it's I can't really um I guess you could say empathize with the struggle. Well, but things her grief, that strong grief is is the thing that's keeping her out there. Just like many other people out where they are, like they're at a point where it's not just grief, but you know, it this movie talks about it talks about things that are problems in American society without like even wanting to like really point the finger. And it's kind of weird. Cause for example, um, I can't remember the, the woman's name right now, but the one who had the pirate flag out and helped her with the flat tire and all that, who yeah. was feeling sick and was uh, telling her that swanky. story. Was that, no, no, yeah. I thought that was uh, somebody else. The woman who goes to Alaska and comes back. Yeah. 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 That's, I thought it was Swanky, swanky, swanky the one that was sick. 
No, Swanky, somebody else. Swanky's the one that, that was with her going and and um like cleaning the bathrooms. They had the job together and they were, you know, she was she sent her the video with the bats. She's the one who told her about their retreat area anyway in Arizona. That woman. The mm-hmm. other lady is somebody different who was talking about how you know she um didn't really care if she lived or died after she had that one particular experience and how she even had considered suicide when they're talking in her van together. That's somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah, but did, she didn't kill herself because of her dogs. Yes, yes, that was. So that's something that I can kind of relate to. I mean, not the not the suicide part, but um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> so let me see how I can put this in the words. Like with Fern, I think like like what we talk about, like with grief and stuff. Okay, is that maybe part of the reason why she wants to just be out there and just be constantly moving and not get to grow these close connections because. Deep down inside, she knows that that's going to eventually end, you know, mm-hmm. um, meaning that it will end in, in death. So she don't want to have to deal with that grief again. And it, it, it kind of made me think about that, too, even with that in the beginning, when that one guy, I guess he had left his dog and she was walking the dog and she just left it outside. I thought that was kind of funny because normally in American films, the dog's going to come back at some point. I'm like, we're never seeing that dog again. Right, right. But I kind of <laughs> felt, I felt sad and I felt bad for the dog. But then I also felt bad for her because I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice to have a dog? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone, you know, with you? And but she can't care for that animal. Companion? Yeah, not necessarily. Not, not, well, not in that van. Well, I'm saying, I mean, because it's, it's homeless people with dogs. They, they I mean, they shouldn't have me either, probably, but yeah. I mean, yeah. you could do it. I mean, I don't think, I, I think it's possible to be homeless with a dog. I see people with them all the time. You even I think being you'll see a lot of homeless people with dogs, and you'll see right. uh, pit bulls off leash playing with other pit bulls. It's a right. beautiful thing we have going here. Well, I mean, I I do think there's a difference though between being homeless with a dog, even though that's you know that's not great either. But like having an animal that you have to have inside of a van a lot, you know. Um, I I'd rather do it that way personally. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah, and and the thing I think that part of the reason I cut, at first I was just like you. I think part of the reason was because she didn't, you know, she wasn't gonna be able to take care of the dog. But I'm feeling more so it's because she didn't want to grow an attachment to something that was going to eventually pass away. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's um, I like that read. Like, I even know in my mind, and I'm going to just be honest, when Chance die, which is inevitable, yeah. I know I'm not going to get another dog. I don't want to go through that shit again. I'm already mentally prepared for the fact that I know that he's going to die. And if I do get another dog, it's not going to be like right away type of deal. But that's a hard thing to have to you know, deal with, especially when you're not, um, I guess, used to death. Not saying mm-hmm. that I'm a child and I'm not used to people passing away, but, you know, I don't they think don't you, live yeah. as long as us. I know exactly. You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're adults and I still don't think it's something you're just like, oh, I'm so used to it. Because among all the other things about it, you don't know when it's happening or who it's happening to. But it's also like you have those years that you had that dog and then you're like, I, that part of my life is over. Like a third of my life, basically the moment, like up till I had kids, uh, you know, started having kids, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that part's gone. Like that's 14 years of my life was like, I can remember it as I had the dog those years because it was a constant thing. It was like, I can't go out unless like I have the dog taken care of. I can't go anywhere unless like I bring the dog or figure out the dog. Like the dog was Mm -hmm. so... I'm not saying like I've lived my life around the dog, but the dog was really, really important to me. Like uh, making sure he was 
I, I almost feel like I didn't have room to like have a kid until <laughs> have a dog in a way. Well, but but I almost feel like so yeah, Keith, I, I think I think what you said is first and foremost okay. probably the motivation. But hell, I mean, if she did have the dog, um, hell, she had things happen on the road that were messed up before. I mean, ain't no telling what else she would have had to consider, you know, with a dog. But skipping the dog because I mean but, we've talked about the dog gonna, for two or three minutes. Let's, let's come. It's kind of important it. though. I do think it's kind yeah. of important because like I think it's point, important like, because yeah. it also shows like why she couldn't grow too much of a connection with the other guy too. I feel you know. Well, yeah. I think that's something else though too. Yeah, but but I think it all comes down to this feeling of of still dealing with grief and also this this fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. And not wanting to grow those close connections. Well, that's that's how so, I read so I think that's how that, I relate to it. That's part of it, but there's something else going on too that I haven't quite figured out. Like w- when we think about her sister too. Yeah. Like they, well, although I think in that case, she feels there's like there's this extra thing going on. And again, this is what I'm talking about with this movie. The only time that Fern ever really is mad at institutions or the man in any kind of way, so to speak, people who would, uh, you know, I guess you could say had her in that situation in the first place was when they're over at her sister's place and there's those guys who are in finance in one way or, or real estate or whatever it is. And they're talking about how they're taking advantage of these sky high prices and all this stuff now and how in, back in 2008, oh, they couldn't make those kind of problems. But now, I mean, they're just, you know, they're just, oh God, just, just, my, just money falling out the pockets. And then, you know, she started getting <laughs> mad about it. But well, then, when a movie manages to fit in that exposition, they're like, oh, by the way, uh, it's like when it's on the radio or something, they're like, you know, defaults on mortgages are an all time high. And like she changes it to like, <laughs> well, but, okay, but wait a minute, but hold up. The, but think about I this. I like scene. how they did it in that scene. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty smooth. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy letting it rock, but that's a very faceless thing to do. And I'm fine with that, except Amazon's in this damn movie. And, the one thing we know about Amazon right now, and look, I, we have uh, praised Amazon, you know, on their uh, feature Love side. Their movies. <laughs> yeah, movies doing pretty good. And we don't know nothing about like, allegations or whatever and so on and so forth. But I can tell you for a fact, the parent company, as far as what they're doing, particularly with labor unions right now, um, I mean, first off, they're anti-union anyway. And that's on a global scale as far as how they do all their warehouse stuff. But they have been clamping down everywhere, even like when COVID was going on. You know, they talked shit about a guy in Staten Island whose name was like Chris Wallace or something like that, um, and fired him, calling him, you know, because he was a young black guy, said he was inarticulate and didn't know this and didn't know that, but he was demanding better warehouse conditions. Um, we've seen that happen in Alabama currently, where there's a lawsuit to keep Alabama workers in the warehouse from unionizing there because they're not even be allowed to go to the bathroom. They're scared if they ask for a bathroom break, they'll get fired. And there's plenty of extra details there that you can read into at your own leisure. But I'm bringing this up because the thing is, you would damn near think Fern was a, a damn superhero with all the shit she ends up doing. She does multiple jobs that are like hard labor jobs. Yeah. And you know, one of the things they used to talk about at Amazon Warehouse is you sometimes could average walking about 20 miles a day for some people. I mean- my little brother worked in an Amazon warehouse and it's probably going to go back. So that's to the extent of that's sort of both sides of it. Right. Like he's mm-hmm. had the job. He definitely lost. He, no one's ever been in better shape in their entire life. Like he was <laughs> in, he was in very good shape, but he also like was really tired. 
um, exhausted. And I know there's things he didn't like about it, but he's going to go back. Um, yeah, and, and I'm I, not I saying that people don't do seasonal work. Seasonal yeah. work is very important for some people. Was, it was important for me when I was in New York for a time. It was, I was his job. Something I mean, it wasn't seasonal. It was his. It was his job. Job. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. but but in this case, the, the, this is seasonal work that they were doing, though. I was just thinking about as you were saying this. I don't think I ever worked in a warehouse that had decent conditions. I don't. I really don't think that. I, I'm not saying that it don't exist. I'm just saying, based off you know working at. I'm just gonna drop some names, FedEx, hmm. William Sonoma. Like when people be talking about, cause you know, everybody used the slave word, like working like slaves and all that. I don't think it's slave work. It's just warehouse work. Warehouse work is not, it's not decent. It's, it's difficult. It's, and, it's, and it's, it's not difficult. something, it's, hard. it's not I something could, people in her age range should be doing. But I will say this, that's why I knew that I needed to work behind a desk at some point. I said, I'm yes, that's how I learned too. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't do that, it's certain stuff I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't even be, cause I'm like by nature an introvert. And I figured like, I need to get and learn how to be able to talk to people so that mm -hmm. I can be on some phones or behind a computer or some shit like that. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I do empathize with that, you know, but I think it's just one of those things. Like, I don't know, I don't know, Is it, how, how do you wait, make wait. a warehouse <laughs> decent to work at. I just personally yeah. haven't seen it. But, but you know what? Well, well, you know. But the thing is, you know. So that that's the reality of how this stuff works that you're speaking to. But I guess one thing I was trying to wrap my head around, and again, it's just one of those things. The film just is like she's kind of somebody. She's like, you know, the true American from middle America. They just put their heads down and they just get stuff done. They don't complain about hard work and they don't complain that they have to scrub walls and clean toilets and this. Like, hey, man, like the shit, this is a job that sucks. Like, she, there's a couple of moments where she just, you know, she gets, you know, disrespected or ignored about certain things. Like, she tells the guy, hey, the bathroom's closed. And he just walks in anyway. But, like, it's not really talking about the toil and the difficulty of their work. Even for young people, that's hard shit to do constantly, you know, and to not have a consistent paycheck. And for somebody who was in her position to go from corporate America to, you know, like you said, like cor corporate desk, you know, desk job kind of stuff to that kind of more backbreaking stuff. Like it, it's, uh, it just kind of, so it'd be interesting to see if, if th there would have been a way to kind of like ease in if that's I, just something she was oh, cool with. I think Chloe's always said that she doesn't want to sort of tell people how to think. Like she's going to illustrate what happens and let people draw their own conclusions. Yeah. And I actually lean more toward that. Because if you've seen like Fast Food Nation, which is by one of my favorite directors ever, Richard Linklater, but it's like so heavy handed with like telling you how you should feel about fast food and watching it now, like looking at all the problems in the world, you're like, we were all mad about fast food. Like this is what we were mad. We were mad about like a few years ago when we were mad about smoking. It's like, this was what we were really mad about. I'm so Life much was, madder about so many things now. Life was, like, was simpler. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was. Yeah, you gotta pick your battles, though. You know, because there's some stuff that does. I mean, I, I guess. I, I, well, not that I'm looking for an explanation. I guess necessarily, but it, it's a, it's a uh, an observation that that doesn't have an answer. You know, like when you when you're going back and even looking at, it, there's no real answers to like how that's. All right, like I just I don't know. There's so many people. There are young people who are out there being nomads too. Yeah, but there's just something so uh, just missing from like the the fact that you would 
to to do these jobs you're doing like you're just not making enough to get by really you know but surviving yeah sorry yeah you're 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 surviving so let me see how I can put this into words. Like there's, there's um, both, you know, pros and cons to it, right? So one thing about working in corporate America, some people could say that you become a slave to the, to your boss, right? Um, you, you, you a slave to, you know, making sure you, you get that pension or whatever it is, right? So, so you, you, you might get paid more, but you also have um, accumulated more expenses, like a new car. Um, a house, yeah, a lot more started debt. a family. So now you tie down to all of those things. The benefits of being a nomad, although you don't make that much money, you also don't own anything. You also not held down by anything. You can go and come as you please. Like like they said, like that one guy said, well, can't everybody just get in the van and just hit the road, you know? But technically, mm-hmm. you, you could. Know, you can. And then sometimes, and I think one point that I kind of got from moving, especially at the end, is all about letting all these things go and be what is actually completely free. Just like when she was talking to the guy that looked like Santa Claus, whatever this mother's name was. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that's pretty much was his whole point in getting all these people together, all these nomads and these people from these different walks of life, is that eventually these people found true freedom by letting all these things go and just 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 be able to you know travel the world and you know work work enough to to um have like the bare necessities and you know and and just get by and and just enjoy and be enjoy life and also she was able to meet so many different people so many interesting people if you're stuck in the office you don't get to meet these people you know what i'm saying yeah well you know and and you know actually i guess i i I do want to mention too even though i neglect to do it before that that the thing that they do bring up too is you know social security um benefits like that uh uh, swanky so linda she made it to age uh no no i'm sorry was it linda or swanky shit i can't remember it was two different people i think it was anyway, linda that was mentioning mentioning the social security and yeah saying when she was 62 she only yeah only had that amount i mean that's wild you know and th- there's something really interesting that just i feel like constantly goes unstated about like how these people are being taken advantage of. And because the most of these people are seniors. And when that guy who looks like Santa Claus, I'm just going call him that too, because I can't remember his name. Um, you know, he talks a lot about like these people being lost and needing, you know, and, you know, somebody to kind of help give them a path. And once they have that path, you know, they can kind of do things on their own and they help teach them how to be self-sustaining. And I thought that was really cool seeing how they live and just really having that authentic view and of just how they live and and go about their business uh was was really interesting um and and the sort of things that can go wrong um in in different scenarios whether it's you know your tires going out or you just not knowing how to fix certain stuff with your vehicle you know there are risks to doing those things risks that are not present you know if you're gonna stay in a you know even if it's not in the city in a small town where you know you know, all the people there, you know how much it's going to cost you to do this, that, and the other to get from one distance to another. And when you just out on the road like that, sometimes you ain't seeing gas stations for hours. Like, it's all kind of reasons you wouldn't 
you know, you might be fearful of doing that. And that, that's why our sister was saying, like, you know, you're, you're braver than I am. You're braver than most of us. Mm-hmm. I, I think going back to the idea of like what this movie is advocating or not advocating for, like mentioning Fast Food Nation, for instance, I do think that kind of issues oriented movies tend to age really badly. Um, even like the, you know, quote unquote, woke movies of the 80s, you look at them now and you're like, shit, this is like a really paternalistic movie. Like this is a really, uh, <laughs> this doesn't, this this whole like white savior stuff doesn't really play that well now. Like a lot of things like that. Um, and I think this movie will age well because it doesn't really take an overt position because it lets, it just sort of lays out like here's an actual thing that happened in America in this year and you can draw from it what you want. At the same time, I just, at this time, I don't personally feel like a close emotional connection with the movie. And yeah, but it, I, yeah, brave to not be cloying and not go for that. But it, it was I, just because I'm curious, you know, what what could be done differently, though? I mean, I think I have an idea. Like you said, the, the <laughs> well, the move the, because the movie isn't it's purposely not trying to, you know, be too almost philosophical, like just waxing poetically all the time about certain things. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's just part of that means, though, that the character isn't expressing an opinion either a lot of times. And so when is a happening is, for me, almost like a, like, I'm I'm there for the journey, but I'm not really there. And, and I'm there with her, but I'm not, I'm not like emotionally grounded in what's happening with her i mean the thing is the the part where i got the most like oh my god was when uh dave broke her her uh antique dishes yeah not knowing that that box is broken at the bottom now for me i you know my family doesn't have a lot of heirlooms that have passed down but my wife does and if someone broke you know heirlooms of her family it would be going down i mean (laughs) There's only two moments in this entire movie, really, to me, that uh, have Fern kind of really emoting where you can see it on the screen, Um, you know, beyond like somebody like where it's not somebody just telling her like, you know, a story that's that's really meaningful to them, something that comes from her. And that's that moment uh with the heirlooms being broken and and that and, and it's anger but she kind of reels it back before it just kind of goes all the way out and then there's a moment at the end when she goes back to empire and she's like it almost looks post-apocalyptic <laughs> like she's like going through the old offices and stuff yeah. um and you see her really cry for the first time um it, it's kind of shocking to me like it is as much emotions you can see and in, in you know and it is present on the screen like how much she holds back um I, I don't know if for for some people i think that 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 really is uh in some way really reeling them in but it did kind of for me it, it did kind of did the opposite as far as like being there with her it, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the film, but as far as like being like adding things to it, as far as like a character that I wanted to really be there with and, and feel like it kind of took me away from that element for, for me. Part of me wishes this movie had been a documentary 
of just documenting these people's lives and that Frances McDormand wasn't involved in it. But at the same time, Frances McDormand is, she's a great actor and she brings in a lot of people who would see this movie who wouldn't otherwise see it. Like if you said, we made a documentary about people who are nomads, most people wouldn't see it. They would go, oh, that sounds like, that sounds like it's very good and I'm not gonna see it. Um, so <laughs> I, I think that Chloe Zhao did a, did a very smart thing and a, a good thing and a service by bringing Francis McDormand into it. At the same time, I feel like the whole exercise is a little bit fraught because you just can't separate the artifice of a A-list millionaire Hollywood celebrity mixing it up with people who live in RVs. Um, and her and her sort of, you know, trying to pass as one of them for a few months when you know that she can go back to an amazing life where she can do whatever she wants. And that's not a criticism of her. That's not a criticism of Chloe Zhao. It's just that it's hard for me to separate those two things. It's hard for yeah. it's hard for me to see those two things juxtaposed in a way that doesn't feel artificial. Yeah, but there's a part of me that it doesn't. I think there's a difference between like people that's just like down bad and people who make a conscious decision to live a certain type of way. Yes. Now, now and, 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 and like, why I can't tell, but, but Keith, which one do you think it is for, for Fern? That's the thing I kind of can't totally get because she does say, oh, well, you know, this thing happened, it happened real suddenly. I, I'm just having a hard time understanding the I, setup because if they were with that company for that long, they should have some kind of savings. They should have you some would, kind of retirement plan. They should, you know, like you would, but you would think, but also like um, America. Well, not even just America. But, well, but well, but yeah, she America, talks about the but, nice setup they but, had at Empire. Okay, so I know they don't get into it, and it's just me speculating. But mm -hmm. sometimes, even if you, even if people would have had like you know, some decent stuff that that job would have left behind them. People blow through money. Medical like, bills. Like, and, oh, and, and the hospital and bills like, eating it up too. And also like, yeah, you think about like inflation and stuff. So like if you, if $200,000 a day ain't gonna be the same 10 years from now, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And then she's got a home. Like let's say she owns that home. The entire industry leaves town. The whole town dies. Her, her home's worthless now. She's probably invested. You know, oh, how much money over the years. Like yeah. it, it, it's it does a good job of showing like what it's like to be this Western ideal of independence and rugged independence, and we're self determined, but there's no safety net at all for you. And but, yeah, because I actually know people who literally, for example, when NAFTA, I'm not NAFTA Lord. What's the the uh, North American trade deal? I forgot exactly what it was called in, in during the Clinton era. That's NAFTA. Oh, it is NAFTA. Okay, yeah. no, it's whatever. Um, so anyway, when that happened, I know people across Tennessee who were impacted by that because entire industries were leaving. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like there are literally people who go back, man, I, you know, we had them in, you know, in the 90s in the White House. That's when this whole town went to shit. Like everybody saw losing their jobs. All the jobs went to Mexico. Yeah. And, you know, like they took a job. Like that's the thing that like they can actually say. Uh, like it's not just like oh south park's being funny like no nah, they they can legitimately say that happened because of nafta and you know so the globalists are after as well blah, blah, blah. like you know look how would how you talk about it like that's real to them because it actually happened it ruined their town 
yeah i think they're blaming the wrong people but i hear them no 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 yeah 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 exactly but I, but, I blame, but the idea that the company for leaving than blaming you know the door being open but yeah but you know the thing is is when you're an individual it doesn't kind of matter who it is yeah. um that did it because you know as, as you know is laid out here it kind of wipes everything clean and i mean i was shocked when it said like the zip code was discontinued i was like holy smokes like that that is now that's gone yeah but i i don't i've been wondering like like i said with this movie i don't know if it's it like she, like you said, the director doesn't want us to feel one way or another. But I have a feeling it's not made for us to feel sorry for these people per se. No, no but just to just to have an understanding of this is the life. Like these are people that chose this particular life, and I'm not really just necessarily talking about Fern. I think Fern wants to, like like I said, I think it's a combination of just wanting to be self reliant. But then I think the biggest thing is just um, not getting too close to people. And just, you know, just kind of be like a, um, what's the word, like a vagrant and stuff. And well, just but then also life. But at the same time, she doesn't completely. And, and just like what you're saying, her being a flat character, I would say that to an extent she is. But she does kind of make a change because as the movie goes on, there are certain things that she has to give up. Like when we talk about the early okay. ones being That's destroyed, true. like people like to me personally, I, I don't I don't give two shits about I'd have never had an heirloom. I don't give I can't think of nothing material that I really give a fuck about. But that's that's me. But people hold on to things like that. So mm-hmm. if they were to, you know, she still has a little bit of her past life that she's still holding on to. And so that winds up being destroyed. Then we got the van. And so she has this strong connection to the van. And she eventually lets that go. And then we see her at the end in her old town and then we don't know exactly what happened to her. But my my bet is that she finally got to that point where she's becoming a true nomad and she's able to let, you know, things of this world go and just experience life. This is going to be the last time I bring up I Care A Lot, mostly because um, we're about to end the podcast in a little bit. But the other thing, too, about when you talk about choice, um, you know, we saw most multiple examples here where people chose to... Um, <coughs> to become nomads because they did not want to be in a situation where people were either keeping them in hospice or potentially putting them under guardianship, stuff like that. They were like, when I go, I'm going to go. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, 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 you know, be having me just sitting over here drip, drip, drip every day. And I can't communicate with you. I can't do this. I can't do that. When I, when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's interesting. I also feel like, Cause to me, I, I can, I mean, my I could see, I wouldn't say I could see myself doing it. My, my biggest problem is like not taking regular showers thing, but I can see why somebody would make that decision. Even, even in your, um, you know, older or twilight years, because I think it's something about just being consistently moving that makes you feel alive. Whereas like, I would prefer to do that and be on the road and, you know, experience, experience these adventures than to be locked up in a retirement home somewhere yeah you know yeah so, I had, so I talk, yeah yeah so i think it's a i think for some of them or from what this what the movie is showing us is that th- these are this is a choice and this is actually a beautiful choice for some of these people you know yeah. and that's like that is the difference between what she said being homeless and houseless right and like the thing is not, you don't need a political <laughs> message for that you yeah know? you don't 
I, I don't feel that's the thing. I guess you know I'm torn because I don't feel like the movie needs it, but I think it'd be enhanced by it. Mm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, when I say political, I don't even mean like they need to be out here doing socialist you know speeches. I'm just saying like on something like uh, this this labor is hard. It just you know they just you know walk around with like no real pains <laughs> from doing stuff like that, which I'm just like gosh, like it just kind of I don't I mean, know. I feel like these were bad. <laughs> I mean, she mentions it, but as, I don't know if she's saying that as a joke to the kid or it's just wanting to help, whatever. But um, but also, like, just think about it. Like, what what were people doing before we became more industrialized? Dying earlier. Yeah. That but too. we were nomadic. I mean, the, yeah, we were, as a human species, we were nomadic. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's something very um, interesting and natural about that, I guess, and human. And I and I and and yeah, like the work might you know be hard, but I mean, and the truth of the matter is, is that the people who work the hardest usually get paid the less anyway. That's just yeah, it's kind of how it is. Like you, I can't wait for like, the movie that covers that eventually. Like what um, we this is this is like, the one to do it. You're not you're not gonna see Jeff Bezos um, in the factory throwing boxes and shit. We still, we you know our Amazon, uh, you know. Uh, we we support Amazon in many ways, but in you know they they need to. When I uh, when I ordered Pump Up the Volume uh, on DVD the other day, it showed up real fast. So yeah, I was say like I, I think we're all Prime subscribers. I'm not. Man, I just <laughs> I just I, want them to clean up their I shit. Just, I just ordered a book in um a bookshelf, <laughs> like so, you know, so. I mean, but but I but at the but at the end of the day, it's like um if you if you own the company, you. You only know so much, you know what's happening at the at the very. No, nah, he he knew that stuff. I, I'm I'm not going. Bezos knew. They can, <laughs> but they but also, but I will got, say. But they can also pay more taxes. Yeah, th- yeah, more than zero. Um, you know, and I'm willing to pay wait a few more days for my package. So whatever. Yeah. But um, look, I, I think uh, this is a good time to wrap it up, uh, guys. Anything you like to close with? Um, I just um, want to recommend Chloe Zhao's The Writer. It's a that's a movie I have no, I'm not puzzling over at all. That's just an absolutely beautiful movie with like one of the most perfect metaphors I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Incredibly moving. All right. Well, uh, Keith, as always, could you share with people where they can find us next time? You can find us at um, <clears throat> Facebook and also Instagram at the low key pod. Perfect. And uh, we don't know what we're doing next time, but I'm sure it'll be something uh, pretty exciting or I said pretty exciting. It's going to be a good movie, too. We, we haven't covered a movie we don't like in a while. Uh, we're doing pretty good somehow doing that. Um, maybe maybe we'll have a, a you know, something. I suggest something. coming to America, too, but that's just me. Wait a minute. When is that coming out? Week? It's, it's going to be out by the time, I think, by the time we record again. Well, I guess that's what we're doing next week. Okay. Sorry, Tim. I, I'm sorry you don't get to vote on this. We're doing it. I've already seen it. I'm all in. You mother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, we have a interview with Craig Brewer this week on MovieMaker.com. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll holler y'all the next one. <laughs> all right. Peace. <laughs>